We all know someone who is a true crime fanatic, someone who watches too many true crime documentaries and crime shows and movies. If you're listening to this, you probably are one of these true crime fans, someone who listens to true crime podcasts when they cook or clean or bike. Today's story takes a turn when one of these true crime fanatics amongst us escalates to a new level, when they want to get a taste of the action themselves. This is the ongoing Jung Yoo Jung case, the Korean woman that posed as a student to murder their tutor because of genuine curiosity. Hi, today I'm joined by a special guest. Hi! This is an ongoing case as of end of June. The story begins in Busan, Korea, with a woman named Park. Park is not her real name. Park was a university student. Let's face it, when you're unemployed at uni, you need some money, especially with this cost of living crisis this day and age. So Park took on some extracurricular tutoring to earn some cash to support herself. She signed herself up as a tutor on a tutoring app, and it's basically an app that connects middle schoolers, parents, and tutors and tutors gets to talk directly to the parents via messaging to discuss their child's needs. When she started speaking with a parent in dire need of an English tutor for her grade 9 daughter, she never thought that the girl that would end up showing up at her doorstep would not, in fact, be a 13-year-old middle schooler, but 23. And Park would have never seen that she was already part of an intricate murderous plan and would die at the end of it. Let's talk about Jung. Jung is not a ninth grader, but she was the one that showed up on Park's doorsteps pretending to be one. Jung was born in 1999 and is 23. Jung is your typical true crime fanatic. She was the type of person to really obsess over the details of the crime and really delve into bits and pieces. She wanted to know the details, as many details as possible. She was kind of like one of us, that's the creepy part, watching crime shows, listening to true crime podcasts, reading true crime books, you know the drill. But she really wanted to know the details, as much as books and TV shows and films can depict the gruesomeness of violent crimes, they couldn't portray everything. There was still something missing at the end of the day, and that was when she decided she wanted to really feel what it's like. Later, you'll find her saying that she wanted to kill, quote, out of curiosity, end quote. Jung was determined to commit the perfect murder herself, and it helped when she read a lot of books on it. The Chosen Obel reported that she meticulously prepared for this murder and was later found that her internet searches were full of how to hide a body and the best places to bury them, including biology aspects like dismembering a body. On the day of the quote-unquote tutoring session Jung and Park agreed on, Jung dressed up in a school uniform she found at an online flea market and went to Park's home with a knife. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of Jung, and I want you to describe just kind of what she looks like and why she might have passed as a middle schooler that didn't draw any suspicions to her. Okay, so the photo we have here, she is wearing glasses. She's pretty fair. 
Um, she has, I would say, pretty dark brown hair. I think she has it tied up in a ponytail or in a bun. Um, her features are very childlike, and she doesn't have any, you know, any um, pimples or anything or any um, imperfections on her face. is very clear and smooth, so I think that's where she kind of gets away with these kind of looks, looking young. I think it's also pretty with pretty much with every other Korean person they're quite young and <laughs> fair so yeah yeah so in this picture you can really see how she can be mistaken as a middle schooler she has a very round plumpy face so naturally looking very youthful and childlike she also wore these big black round glasses that looked very schoolgirly wait so she wasn't actually prescribed glasses. She was just wearing it for the actual um, outfit that fit in with the schoolgirl vibe. I'm actually not sure. Um, I think she does wear glasses in real life because it is the official headshot of her from the police department. But I think it also just really helped to build up that really youthful yeah. kind of persona she was trying to take on. Okay. Um, and she's also actually quite short in real life as well so both really fit the whole schoolgirl persona her nose and lips were quite plumpy as well and her complexion is just very innocent and childlike and this headshot actually looks like the ones you would get on your school id right she had her hair tied up behind her ears and her eyes are just looking straight ahead and there's nothing honestly virtually scary about her it wasn't like in the Furitzel case where I tried to describe to you what Joseph Furitzel looked like. Just one look at Joseph Furitzel's headshot, I had chills running up my spine. Like, Joseph Furitzel looked like he was evil. Not just from the way his face is arranged, but also the way he looks into the camera. But this girl, she is the exact opposite. She literally looks like a regular schoolgirl. And that's what makes it so much more chilling. The fact that it's someone you can't ever anticipate. In this case, you're a ninth grader student that murders and stabs you to death. And when Park opened her door to meet her new student, she didn't know it was actually Jung, who was 23, wearing a school uniform to greet her. When Park let her in, Jung took out the knife she hid inside her coat and stabbed her viciously until she bled to death. She then went out to shop, bought bleach and trash bags, and returned to Park's house to dismember her. Now, this is where a lot of people have been saying that although it's very clear that Jung planned this meticulously, she'd only planned the murder itself in detail, but not the cleanup afterwards. Because she was caught on camera going in and out of Park's house, just buying different things she needs. Like, you'd think that the killer would bring the cleanup stuff already to the scene so that they would wipe away everything immediately. you think that time is of the essence when you're dealing with these sorts of things. And again, I'm not a professional. I've never killed anyone before or looked into this. But honestly, it's just logical thinking, isn't it? Like, you'd want people to not recognize you and see you, so you'd want everything done as discreet as possible. Yeah, in and out as quick as possible. Yeah, exactly. Jung took Park's phone, ID, and wallet to make it seem like she's left on her own before she assembled her limbs into the suitcase. 
She then hired a taxi to take her to a wooded area near a river called Nakdong, where she buried the suitcase. And this part is where she made her actions look so suspicious that the taxi driver called on the police. For starters, it was in the middle of the night. This middle school girl was carrying a full-blown heavy suitcase, dragging it around and asking the driver to stop in a wooded area before disappearing into the woods, and sometime later coming back out with nothing in her hands. Now just picture yourself being in the same taxi as her. This was sounding all alarm bells and it's giving real schoolgirl horror film vibes. So throughout all this time, the driver was trying his hardest to remember the details of her face, her clothes, and so on. After the driver gave a detailed description to the police, they searched the woods and it didn't take them long to find the bloodstained clothing and bags and human remains. I was also wondering like how she was sloppy at the end of the murder because of how many of how of a fan she was to true crimes because i mean i'm i'm not gonna say how i would do it if i were in her shoes but to call a taxi that would be like the number one no no to get rid of a body because that is already bringing up another witness so i'm not i'm having a little trouble on how she was a fanatic on true crime and she was doing this this is like it's honestly so weird because like both of us are like true crime fanatics i would say right like one of us has a podcast about it (laughs) so yeah i actually don't know but with what people are saying they're saying that she's so captivated in the idea of experiencing and doing the murder that she didn't think about what she should have done to cover up her tracks like she just wanted to experience the emotion hence the sloppiness now it wasn't hard to id jung the place where park lived was full of cctv cameras and this is actually quite a common thing in east asia where just every corner having a camera to deter crime and here i've included a photo of jung being caught on the cctv camera so can you take a look at this and just describe to me what you see okay so we have here is jung just walking with the suitcase and she's wearing a jacket a brown jacket and i guess that's a maxi midi skirt and just some sandals i guess and her face is covered with a mask she has her hair down and it seems to have her hair at her shoulders and she's wearing the the glasses that she was wearing in the headshot Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so in this frame she's wheeling the suitcase with her left hand and she's kind of walking on a pedestrian side of the road and she's got like a tote bag on her right shoulder and her right hand is just kind of casually holding the strap keeping it in place she's wearing a button-up coat over and it's either like you said a long black skirt or just black loose pants of some sorts and her hair is in this little bob that just kind of twirls up at the ends which makes her seem quite young because it's kind of a young girl's hairstyle and she has a mask covering her face now what i really want to delve into is the way she's walking so can you describe for me her sort of stance and how do you think she's walking in this cctv camera footage 
I think she's walking very nonchalantly, like trying to not be suspicious, I guess, like how every day you'd see everyone passing by on the CCTV. I don't think I would find her suspicious, but because of the suitcase, I would be. Yeah, so she has her back straight and she looks like she's just strolling down the streets. And that's it. There's physically nothing that tells her apart as a person that's just committed murder. The normalness in the way she walks is absolutely crazy. And she's not walking in a really fast pace or eager to throw what she's carrying away. Like for bloody sake, she's carrying human remains and clothes that are stained of this human being's blood on her. But the casualness in the way she looks and walks is just absolutely terrifying. Like you could never tell her apart from any other pedestrians on the streets. And that's what makes it so scary. The fact that she isn't showing any signs of distress, nor did she seem scared. The calmness in this shows how much of a sinister case this is. Like one day you just wake up and start planning this meticulous plan to murder a stranger. Then calmly leave and return to her house multiple times to buy the things you need to bury her. Then, as you stroll down the streets, with her remains in your suitcase, you just hail a taxi casually and go to the woods to dump everything in the park. Like, if I were someone who knew her that found out later what she did, I'd rethink back to every one of our encounters and be scared for my life. And later on, after looking at all the CCTV footages and talking to Jung, the police realized how dead silent and calm she was throughout the killing. And going out and buying the bleach and other tools, and not just in the CCTV frame, but in all of them. She was just seen strolling, taking her time, entering and exiting Park's place multiple times. She did not seem like a person who just murdered someone. A forensic psychology professor at Kyonggi University said that, quote, a person normally panics and becomes terrified when they kill someone, even if they are a criminal, end quote. And she showed, quote, no sign of panic or horror, end quote. He said that this behavior was, quote, very unusual, end quote. Jung later said, after she'd been arrested, that she'd wanted to commit the, quote, perfect crime, end quote. Initially, upon being arrested, Jung insisted that her and Park had an argument and that was why she'd killed her. Obviously, this was a blatant lie and the police showed her the CCTV camera frames and her being a schoolgirl outfit traveling to Park's house. Like, if you're just having a casual day with someone, why were you dressed like that? They also showed the CCTV footage of her purchasing multiple tools and bleach and entering and returning to Park's home multiple times. And even though no one believed her, she just kept saying that they were having an argument initiated by Park and she was the one who had aggravated it and Jung was only acting in self-defense. I think she was just trying to get a lesser sentence now that she'd been made by the police. But here's the thing, her stories had way too many holes in it. Like the fake persona they traced back to her, the one that she built on a tutoring app, they saw her interaction with Park, the front and back messaging under the fake identity. Why would you build an entire fake persona and a fake name to meet up with your friend and dressed in a middle school uniform? 
There's just so many inconsistencies and it did not make sense. And this statement that she just keeps on insisting that did not make sense on a logical level, which really did not play in her favor when the police presented all of these evidence. And later on, she switched her stance saying that someone else had killed Park and Zhang only got rid of the body, which is like, how is this possible? Now you're making up a third person just out of nowhere, which made zero logical sense. The police did not believe her. They got a warrant and searched Zhang's house and it confirmed their suspicion all along. They discovered Park's remains in Zhang's fridge. Well. <laughs> wow, indeed. Is this another um, Jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> this is actually really scary, right? Because it's in East Asia as well, where crimes like these don't really... Not that they don't really happen, but when crimes like these happen, they usually cause a moral panic. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jung eventually pleaded guilty after a family was brought in. The police have said, quote, we are conducting tests to see if she is a psychopath, end quote. And this is where it gets weird. When they looked into Zhang's past, they found nothing out of the ordinary. Because besides the fact that she was kind of a loner in high school, there was nothing out of the ordinary in her childhood. In high school, she never had any friends or built any relationships and just kind of melted into the background and did not talk to anyone. One thing for sure, though, was the fact that she was extremely into true crime and she would watch any documentaries and research all these gory details and methods of these cases. And she's been unemployed since graduating from high school five years ago. And this is actually crazy scary because knowing this has shocked the entirety of Korea. Jung had no reason to kill, no crazy abnormal history except for her being kind of aloof from everyone else. She never committed any petty crime or had been abused when she was a child, which we all know is a telltale sign of a clinically diagnosed psychopath's history. But Jung never had that. And that's one of the things that shocked Korea, that there's no evidence to fall back on and be like, this is where her murderous intention started. And this case actually shed light on how simple it is to use an app that lets you meet seemingly trustworthy people like tutors and students who may just be a wolf in sheep's skin. And I want to talk about this a little because this has caused a moral panic on the use of these tutoring apps and apps that lets you meet these strangers. So I use a tutoring app as well. And basically on there, all the tutors have to get through a screening done by a third party that searches your criminal history to see if you've ever committed any crimes. And within this, their search focus will primarily be on the crimes against children category. And it's only after you've done these checks that you can work as a tutor through the platform with the students that they connect you with. And I'm pretty sure this tutoring app in Korea has that as well. But the only problem is we're not talking about the tutor being the one that might not be trustworthy, but the customer. And mind you, because they're the ones offering the money and they're the customers, they don't need a background check to be on these apps. And Jung used a sort of loophole to find targets of the perfect victim for her crimes. After she was caught and confessed to her crimes, Jung told reporters that she felt, quote, really sorry for the victim's family, end quote. 
She also said she thought she was, quote, out of her mind, end quote. Now, there has been some analysis as to why she's done it. The forensic psychology professor at Gyeonggi University said that it might be that Jung was really jealous of Park's lifestyle and everything she had. Because Park went to a really prestigious university in Korea and had good social relationships in her life. And basically were the opposite of everything Jung had. Jung lived on her own, was isolated for five years after finishing high school, and never got a job. And it could be seen through the fact that Jung kept Park's ID with her even after she's disposed of her body. After the murder, she even went to the victim's closet and changed into her clothes. Now, I'm not entirely sure if this was just out of practicality because of the blood on her clothes or if it was the result of some imposter syndrome. And there's arguments for both sides. But later on, when she went out to buy all the tools, and in the CCTV footages, she was all seen wearing Park's clothing. But if the reason for her changing into Park's clothes weren't for practicality, then this action is sort of like putting on and trying to melt into someone else's identity through their personal belongings and clothes. And we could argue that she wanted to become a person just like Park so bad that she's changing into her clothes, trying to replace her in a way now that she's dead, to become her and take her place, to become this smart teacher with a degree and good social connections. So that kind of wouldn't explain how she was sort of walking and not panicking. She just kind of, well, this is what I think at least. Um, mm -hmm. She was kind of embedding Parks's personality and how she walked and feeling like her with her clothes and everything, maybe that could also be one of the reasons why she was walking that way. This is actually really interesting because what you just brought up right now, I've never read it from any sources that I've researched on. And the fact that you said her putting on Park's clothes is kind of like now she has become her. So the way she walks has changed so she might not feel this sort of panic that a murderer would normally feel because now she's a teacher, right? She's a tutor, she's a university student now. And that's really interesting how like just one switch of the clothing might just change someone's mindset about things and made her maybe completely immune to these fears of being caught. And that could be why she wasn't walking in a panicked way. Yeah. Really interesting. Good yeah, thought. Like, <laughs> like sometimes wouldn't you say if you wore a new outfit, you would feel like a different version of yourself. I feel like that's sort of what is going on here as well. Mm -hmm. Either way, one thing remained true. You can clearly see how the intense desire she had to kill made her fixate on the entire process, like the planning through the tutoring app and buying the clothes, but she didn't plan the part after that at all. And you could clearly see this through the quote-unquote sloppiness and tidying up and disposing of the body afterwards. A criminal profiler at Wusuk University suggested that there might be a possibility of when Jung developed into psychopathy when she lived isolated for a long time. Did they find anything that their pa her parents had any history of violent acts or like history of to show that nature part? Um, so from what I know, her parents didn't abuse her or anything like that. They weren't really, really close. 
I think her grandma was more in the picture of bringing her up, but there was no abuse in her childhood, and she was just kind of classified as a loner that didn't have a lot of social relationships. Um, okay. Yeah. And the forensic psychology professor at Kyonggi University added that, quote, even individuals with criminal inclinations typically experience panic and terror after taking someone else's life. But Jung's behavior, witnessed in a footage of her retrieving a suitcase from her home to transport the deceased, displayed no signs of alarm or horror, end quote. And I absolutely agree. I think what makes this case so different to the other ones we've seen is the absolute remorseless of this young 23-year-old. Plus, it's one of the presidents showing that zero abuse and adversity during earlier stages in life could still actually lead to seemingly psychopathic behavior. And I say seemingly because she's not been properly diagnosed yet. And this brings the whole nature-nurture debate to a whole new level. For years and decades, scientists have thought your genetics or physical attributes directly define your chances of being a criminal. I mean, just look at the work of Lombroso. He proposed the idea that how your face is shaped is linked to whether or not you're going to be a criminal. And for a long while, people believed that. And then we transitioned into a more nurture approach, which is still where the majority of the world stands right now, which is believing that your childhood experiences and your parents help define you into who you are. And goodness, 99% of the cases we looked at around the world that involved violent criminals have shown us that childhood adversity, abuse from guardian figures have a direct correlation to this. But this case has shown us differently. There was nothing so far discovered in Jung's childhood experiences, nor relationship with her parents, suggested this was linked and perhaps would give us some comfort and direction in saying, oh, this was what caused this. But there is no comfort in knowing what might have caused this. There is no understanding. And that is terrifying. Not understanding and not knowing what caused something is absolutely terrifying. There were no warning signs. It was as if she woke up one day and her mind just melted into it and became this. Hence, perhaps we can't help but move back to the nature argument now. Was there something in Jung's DNA that might have put her in predisposition of this? This, added with the fact that Jung showed zero emotion throughout this crime as she was in the middle of committing it, and showed zero emotion when she was talking to the police, what does this say about people and how one day they can just snap like she did? As of now, Jung has said to the public that she was sorry towards Park's family and that she felt like she was, quote, out of her mind, end quote. Her case is still ongoing in court, and she's getting her psych evaluation. But until then, this case will remain a warning to not be trusting towards strangers. The case that makes parents want to double-check their tutors' backgrounds and make tutors want to be extra cautious with their new in-person tutees. Thanks for sitting here with me today.